Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? That's the sound of my just-got-a-payment-worth-three-months-of-payroll face, also known as my pay face. It happens when I can accept credit and debit cards, bank transfer, and mobile pay with Intuit QuickBooks. That's payments made easy. Wait, I thought this ad was over. Oh no, here comes my holding in a squeal in front of a customer face. And my, whoa, getting paid twice as fast face. Thanks for that, QuickBooks. QuickBooks payments account subject to eligibility. Twice as fast based on customer use comparison from August 2019 to July 2020. For decades, this area has been a hotbed for paranormal sightings. This is a strange place, this part of the country. Ed, where are you? Something about it just doesn't feel right iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild presents Bridgewater, starring Misha Collins, Melissa Ponzio, and Nathan Fillion. Created by Aaron Mankey and written by Lauren Shippen. Listen to the first two episodes on August 6th and subscribe to the show for free on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. My name is Jay Banjo. If you're listening to this, then I'm already dead. This tape is evidence as to the identity of my killers. Ms. Johnson! Miss Johnson, come quickly. You have to hear this. Welcome to Baron Banjo. This episode's made from the tape-recorded journals of the musicologist, Dr. Asa B. Quickly, the holder of the Henry Rowland Bird Chair of American Studies at the University of Oxford, the one in Mississippi, of course. And he's the fellow that you just heard hollering for his assistant after he had discovered what he considered to be a priceless piece of music history. I bet you a thousand dollars you never heard of Baron Banjo, but they're a prime fixation for Dr. Q. See, Baron Banjo were two musicians who roamed the American musical landscape in the early part of the 20th century, and up until now, there's no evidence that they ever even existed. However, they apparently saw and did a lot. And many believe that they influenced the music careers of just about everybody. From Lead Belly to Elvis, Johnny Cash, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Lil Richard, to the band, and in turn, Bob Dylan. This is their story. But this is also the story of Dr. Q. More on that in a second. In our initial encounter with the journals of Dr. Q... We examine how a simple music audition ends up with Baron Banjo rubbing shoulders with the mob. Dr. Q's Journals, July 15, 2019. Where do I start? Bear and Banjo are a myth of fingerprints. No one knows whether they truly ever existed. But it's my mission to find out if they did. Did they really miss their chance to lay claim to the inventors of rock and roll? Did they really rub shoulders with the most important figures of the 20th century? Or did the tales get taller and taller each passing year till it snowballed into one big lie? Are there any true stories about Baron Banjo? Or merely examples of an apocrypha for the world of musicians? I often keep myself up at night wondering, 
whether or not I'm chasing a ghost or if this pursuit of mine is even worthy. With the aid of my assistant, Ms. Laura Lee Johnson, I have amassed a wealth of knowledge of bear and banjo over the years. To my dismay, the majority of this knowledge is little more than barstool history, stories passed from musician to musician backstage. The one thing that has stymied historians and armchair sleuths all these years is a lack of primary sources or a historical record of any kind. They never appeared on television, nor were they featured in newspapers or magazines. They existed on the margins, except on a very local level, and then almost as a sideshow or curiosity. In most of these stories, from small hamlets and burgs across the South, the pattern is the same. It's almost as if bear and banjo exist out of time, or are part of a time that perhaps never really existed. Bear and Banjo could have been conjured in the imagination of a Mark Twain and then seeded in our collective consciousness. The stories of their exploits mostly come in the form of tall tales from that place Grail Marcus calls the Old Weird America. Because of this, they are usually spared from the ravages of contemporary history. That's a musicologist, Dr. Cusa, the mind that most of the important secrets of 20th century American music can be traced back to Baron Banjo. Their mischievous behavior and seemingly endless run of bad luck got them close to the golden ring of history, but not close enough to be fully documented. He was very close to giving up the whole thing until a mysterious package arrived at his door. Inside was a canister of 16 millimeter film, a barely legible handwritten letter, and a stack of reel-to-reel tapes. And now, here we are. Dr. Q's hands were shaking as he began to set up the reel-to-reel tape, trying to be as delicate as possible due to the corroded nature of the tape, some of which had already began to crumble in his hands. What was on the tape? Dr. Q had no idea. It could be nothing. It could be everything. The anticipation was almost more than he could bear. He pressed play, and it began. Where all good stories start. On a train. Miss Johnson, Miss Johnson, come quickly. You have to hear this. Hey, fellas, your blues jamming's getting in the way of my last words here. If you could, please, keep it down. I am a passenger on the 20th Century Limited. Mr. Bear and I boarded the train yesterday, December 31st, 1958, at approximately 3 p.m. at the behest of one Leonard Chess. Ah, uh, leave me out of it, huh? Why you gotta mention my name? I got problems of my own here. Well, that's the voice of Leonard Chess founder of Chess Records. Him and his brother Phil started the label in Chicago in the 1950s after immigrating to the States from Poland. They recorded some of the most important blues musicians of the 20th century. Folks like Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, and John Lee Hooker. 
Leonard and Phil were also rumored to be tied up with members of organized crime, referred to in those days as the outfit. I want to be clear. If I'm murdered, it was not Mr. Chess who did it. He's a good man. He likes me. Oh, 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 I never said I liked you. Mere hours ago, Mr. Bear was auditioning a new song for Mr. Chess in the hopes it could be recorded by Muddy Waters for his new album. There was a scheduling mix-up, and uh, we ran out of time. Yes, so Leonard was kind enough to buy us tickets on the train so we could continue to audition en route to New York City with Muddy Waters and his band. Did I mention we were in Chicago before? Well, now, Banjo's a prototypical music man. Quick on his feet and always ready with a smile and a song. He's also a rascal, forever in trouble, constantly offending the sensibilities of small-town rubes, poking them in the eye with their own parochialism. But he never comes across as too clever or superior to those around him. If anything, Banjo's an idiot, a raging ball of id, looking for kicks wherever he can find them. He's also a liar. The voice he's using, that's not likely his real voice. And if you could see him on camera, that's not likely the way he actually looks. You see, he's the kind of guy that'll get kicked out of a fancy restaurant, come back an hour later with a fake nose and a mustache to see if he can get back in there to run whatever scam that put him there in the first place. Well, the thing you got to know about Jay Banjo is that he's a chameleon. He's hanging out with mobsters, so he becomes one. If he's having tea with the queen, get ready for a terrible English accent. You catch my drift? His whole stick, I wouldn't read too much into this. Why are you recording this anyways? For posterity, this could, in effect, be my last will and testament, a record of my final moments on this planet. Well, look, if you're going to tell the story, you need to tell it right. Now, the reason we're on this train at night is because heavyweight fighter Sonny Liston's favorite song is Night Train, right? So much so that he wanted Muddy and the band to play it as his walk-on music tonight. It was a last-minute thing. Hence the schedule change. Hence, me and Bear being on this train. An impetuous decision, which I now regret. Sonny knows Leonard from back in the day. Well, not that far back, but yeah. My brother and I used to own a club. Until it burned down. Oh, who's telling this story? I thought we both were. The Macomba Lounge. And a certain Blinky Palermo used to run book out of there. And he hired Sonny to help him collect, because as you know, Sonny knows how to hit. So, I know Sonny from back in the day, and I know Blinky from back in the day, and Blinky's with Sonny, and Sonny's with Blinky, and Sonny wants the old band from the Macomba to play them on tonight in New York City. And that explains how Sonny and Blinky and Banjo and I all came to be on the same train on the same night. The only trouble is Blinky don't know Banjo, and Banjo don't know when to leave well enough alone. And now, I'm a dead man. This should have been such an easy payday. A thousand bucks for three songs? I got Muddy and Little Walter and the whole house band, and it just should have been so nice and easy. So Bear and I finish up our audition on the train, and now we find ourselves at loose ends. Two guys on a train with nothing to do. Bear hooks up with Muddy and the band for a jam session, but I'm nosing around to see if I can find a card game. And boy, baby, do I find one. More like it found you, huh? Four Chicago businessmen dressed in fine suits, smoking Cohiba, sipping scotch, and playing poker fast and loose. I didn't know who they were at first. I just saw a huge pile of cash on the table and invited myself to play. Hey, <laughs> weren't you the sucker? They lured you in, huh? 
So they think I'm a sucker, yeah? I'm up for a long time, like five grand, which is more money than I've seen in my entire life. But Blinky Palermo's down. I mean, he's losing big, and he's in a bad, bad mood. I'm in the room with Blinky when he finds out about the deal with Sonny and the band. A thousand bucks for three songs. And if there was ever a wrong moment, oh, Palermo at the top of his long bellows. There's no way I'm paying Leonard Chess a dime. How did your problems become my problems, huh? I buy you a train ticket. You cost me a thousand dollars. Blinky's out of his mind, swearing, telling me he's gonna cut my balls off. I come to learn this is the guy who fixed the Jake Lamont of fighting 52, so yeah, he's a serious cat, you know? And I start feeling the pressure. The other guys in the room are as big as you can get in the outfit, and they're just laughing and reeling me in. Pretty soon I've given it all back, plus another 3K for good measure. Eight thousand dollars. Needless to say, I don't got the dough, but here's the thing. I'm going by one of my aliases, Richard Chrysler III. I tell them I'm a wealthy Detroit industrialist and that they can collect the money when we get to Grand Central. I'll have one of my bankers meet us at the station with a briefcase. And they bought that? No, not even a little. So that's when I decide to run and hide, and that pretty much brings us up to the present. They're gonna kill me, Leonard. Meanwhile, I gotta tell the band that they're not getting paid. <laughs> and they're not gonna like that. So there's a very good chance that I end up inside a suitcase. And all because Sonny Liston likes the song, Night Train. Richard Chrysler, you lying rat. We know you're in there. Oh, I should have never gotten mixed up with you guys. Oh, God. I'm gonna die tonight. Maybe I can reason with him. You think so? Uh-oh. Oi, Vejmir. Only one man can hurt a door like that. And it's Sonny Liston. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care. And even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. iHeartRadio presents... That's the scene right now from Los Angeles, which hours ago suffered the largest earthquake in North American history. A new dramatic thriller. As far as we can tell, the earthquake somehow raised a new landmass out here. Starring Sarah Wayne Kellys. I gotta get out there. That, that's my girl. I need as thin as no, me. But she's out there on that island. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. There are corpses all over the Southland. This isn't a conspiracy. It's a natural disaster. And David Harbour. It's dangerous out there. I don't care. I have to go get her. All right, I get it. You want company? You'll go to the island? Aftershock. What did I tell you? This is a good place. People find each other here. There are two dozen dead bodies rotting in a pile and two survivors. You're sure that there's eight volunteers willing to get shot before the rest of you could stop us? <laughs> Cassie, get the gun. Aftershock. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't believe they kept recording all this. 
I'm not sure. But there is a chance we're listening to the sounds of a man being beaten to death while one of the greatest bands of the 20th century has a jam session in the adjoining room. Oh, God. Sit down and shut up. Okay, okay. Oh, good. They didn't kill him. They didn't kill him yet. You owe Blinky Palermo $8,000, and you're going to pay it. I don't have it. Then I'm going to have to hurt you. I don't want to do it, but Blinky's my friend, and you owe him money. Why don't you have a seat, champ? I got this. Hi, Leonard. You still stealing from your musicians? Ah, uh, hey, Blinky. I tell you what. I'm gonna put on these brass knuckles and break your friend Mr. Chrysler's nose. And then I'm gonna throw him out of the window. That's not his real name. And we're not really friends. It's kind of a long story. I don't have time for a long story. I have just enough time to punch you in the face and throw you out the window. No, no, please, you don't have to do this. I'll get you the money. I can get the money, I promise. Uh, uh. But before Palermo can sink his fist into banjo, the room is filled with the most achingly beautiful slide guitar you ever heard. Then comes the sound of Bear's voice. It's the song he and banjo put together for Muddy. This song, that's my friend, Bear. This is one of yours? Yeah, we wrote the song together. We got a whole bunch of them. But this is, uh, this is a good one. Good? Okay, this song is something else. It's like it speaks to me or something, something deep inside of me. Like, uh, I don't know, like a, a sadness. What the heck is wrong with you guys? You ain't never heard the blues before? Not like this, Sonny. Not like this. Hey, I'm sorry, kid. I got this temper. You know how it is. Hey, Banjo, you want to sell that song to Muddy Waters? Somebody say my name? Here's a burning. Banjo, what happened in here? Now, Bear was lucky enough to be born with a talent so big it couldn't be harnessed in his lifetime. From what we've heard, he was gifted with quasi-magical properties, big-hearted and in possession of preternatural musical talent. He's been prescribed otherworldly dimensions to both his character and his actions. Oh, God, man, I almost died, but I didn't. Banjo, I need to tell you something, and I need for you to hear it. Like, really, really hear it. I know. I don't really need a lecture right now. I'm not sure you do know, man. Now you know I love you like a brother, right? And you and me, we got a lot of miles together. I'm hoping we got a lot of miles left to go. But whatever this is... I feel like I've seen it too many times to the point where I'm not even half curious how you got blood all over your face because I already know the answer. Gosh, you must think I'm a real schmuck, huh? Yeah, which is fine. You know, this is America. Everybody's got the right to be stupid. It says so in the Constitution. But this isn't just about you, okay? I mean, part of me admires your ability to destroy everything you build. It's the act of a man who's totally free, a man who has nothing left to lose. You spit in all their faces and take what's yours, and when you're done, you light everything around you on fire. The problem is, I'm the one who winds up getting burned. Look at me. Listen to what I'm saying. I can't live like that. You get away with what you get away with only because you're a white man in this world. If I light a fire, things stay burnt forever. I go away forever. There's no second, third, or fourth chances for me. Everything I got, I mean, we got, 
is from the sweat of my brow, and I aim to protect that. There's no way I'm letting anybody take away anything that I built. Now, if we're gonna survive, you have to stop acting like a fool, start acting like you wanna live, or else I gotta go my own way, man. Which is not my preference, but I will walk away. And when that day comes, it'll be the last you ever see of me. Mama Banjo was right. I am a schmuck. I am a putz and a no good nick and all the other things she said okay. it was true. Shh, shh, it's okay, man. You hear what I'm saying, though, yeah? I hear you, Bear. I promise. It's just you and me, man. It's you and me. Good. Miss Johnson, where did this package come from? There's no stamp or return address on it. That's because somebody dropped it off. Did you happen to see who dropped it off? They were gone before I could get a look at them, Doctor. They? They? What did they look like? There were two of them. I'm sorry, I only caught the briefest glimpse as they were walking away. The tall one was an older black gentleman, and he was pushing a little fella in a wheelchair. At least, that's what it looked like. Damn it, I wish I had been there. I'm so sorry, Dr. Q. I didn't know you were expecting anybody. It's fine, Laurel. It's fine. I wasn't. What else is in there? Well, there's a letter. Who is it from? I don't know. It's hard to read this writing. Who is it addressed to? Honestly, look, it's some of the worst handwriting I've ever seen. Oh, dear God. This is a true nightmare. It feels like it's written with such confidence, but I can barely make out a word. It is English, I'm certain. There are words here I recognize. Car and groove. Good time. But not enough clarity to make out even one single complete sentence. Maybe we look at this later, with fresh eyes? I'm too scared to look at what's next. What's this? It's covered in stickers. Have a ball in Muncie. Yellowstone or bust. I like Ike. There's no record that they really did, is there? Not that I've encountered. Perhaps it was ironic. They were ahead of their time. 16 millimeter film reels? If that's what I think it is, we've just uncovered the Holy Grail. Let me take a look. There's gotta be. Yes, there is. A transcript. A transcript of what? It was rumored that J. Edgar Hoover ordered this footage destroyed, along with any record of what it showed. I guess somebody had other ideas. Six reels? My God, the transcript is thicker than the phone book. Let's set up that projector. Laurel, Laurel, we're going to be here for a while. While Dr. Quigley and Miss Johnson set up the projector, this might be a good time to fill you in on exactly what they'll be watching, especially since they'll be watching it for one heck of a long time. Six reels at two hours apiece. This lucky pair is about to settle in for three back-to-back -back double features of unedited footage from 1959 Senate Select Committee on Improper Activities in Labor and Management, also known as the McClellan Committee. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the McClellan Committee, it was all about the mafia, specifically its infiltration of labor and trade unions, and a young Robert Kennedy was the star of that show taking on the likes of Jimmy Hoffa while America watched it all unfold on their television sets. Well, the 12 hours of footage received by Dr. Quickly, however, was from a closed session. Sworn testimony never before seen or heard by the public. And more than 11 hours of it was dull as dishwater. Much of it was related to suspected ties between the mafia and chess records. In October of 1959, roughly nine months after that fateful New Year's trip aboard the 20th Century Limited, Leonard Chess was ordered to appear before the committee. He was boring. I believe that was uh, 
1947? 1947? I think about the fall of 1947. Yes, yeah, somewhere around the fall of 1947. And at this point, you were still operating at the Pacama Lounge? Yes, that is correct. Until what year? 1950. Dr. Quickly, I'm sorry. I don't think I can take much more of this. <sighs> That's fine, Miss Johnson. I really did think this would prove to be more illuminating than it has. I'll finish up this last bit myself. Good night, Dr. Quickly. Hmm. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Get home safe. Take the morning off if you feel like it. Well, what Dr. Quickly didn't know, or what he couldn't have known, unless he had flipped all the way to the end of the very lengthy transcript, was he was about to see the elusive Jay Banjo on the big screen, followed mere minutes later by one Mr. Bear. When the moment arrived, Dr. Quickly rose to his feet as if he had heard the national anthem begin to play. He even put his hand over his heart. My God, it's really him. Paper Ghost returns with an investigation into a tragedy that took place deep in America's heartland in a tucked away Ohio town where a massive farmhouse belonging to a wealthy family erupted in flames. The flames are everywhere. All four residents inside were dead, and not a single person died from the flames or smoke. So the question becomes, what killed them? Or, more importantly, who? My brother says, Carol, something's up. There is too much blood. This season, I'm not chasing a missing persons flyer. I'm chasing a wanted poster. That's how the mob works. They don't leave anybody. I didn't want nobody to know what I was what I was doing, because if they did, I wouldn't have lived till next day. Listen to Paper Ghosts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Transportista is a podcast that tells the story of a pilot who, using a clandestine cell phone from inside a prison in North Carolina, claims to have worked as an entrepreneur and air logistics coordinator in the international drug trade for some 30 years. I'm Transportista. That's what I am. My name is John Gibbler. I'm a journalist based in Mexico. I was approached to see if I would be interested in looking into this pilot's story. Yeah, I said, I'm interested. I contacted a number of reporters who had either met, interviewed, or reported on this pilot. He didn't want to tell the truth. He wanted to sell the truth. And began to piece together a portrait of a man behind bars obsessed with telling and selling his own story. From Detective and Exile Content Studio, this is Transportista. Listen to Transportista on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My God, it's really him. Uh, Good afternoon. I would like to thank you for agreeing to appear before this committee. Uh, We, uh, of course, are looking into... uh, how Outfit has made significant inroads into the music industry. Uh, what do we call you, sir? You are listed here as uh, Jay Banjo. Is this a kind of uh, stage name? I wish to plead the fifth inning, you know, against self-recrimination and such. Do you mean, sir, do you mean you wish to assert your Fifth Amendment privilege? Yeah, Counselor, my privilege. I like the sound of that. <laughs> sir, sir... Uh, I've simply asked you if Jay Banjo is your given name. Sure, I gave it to myself. 
Are you purposefully, I said, are you purposefully mocking these proceedings, sir? It's hard to say. What are my other options besides purposefully? So I ask you again, your name, Jay Banjo, is that your given name? And I said yes. I gave it to myself. And I want you to know that I never even received so much as a thank you note. Can you believe it? Is that the name that you were born with? Okay, born with. As far as I can remember, I was born with nothing. Not even a stitch of clothing. It was humiliating. All these threads I'm wearing now were acquired at a later date. I can hold you in contempt. Do you understand me? If you're gonna hold me, Your Honor, I'd hope it would be with tenderness, not contempt. It's such a cruel world. We have to be there for each other, don't we? Have you retained counsel for yourself? Are you here with a lawyer? No, I'm here with my friend, Mr. Bear. I really don't know how much more of this I can take. Is Mr. Bear a real friend? Or an imaginary friend. Imaginary friend? Ha! What do you think? I'm six years old. Mr. Bear is over there, and he's very real. See the tall black gentleman holding yesterday's Wall Street Journal? Will he come forth and be sworn? How about it, buddy? You want to get sworn? No thanks. Sorry, no. He said he doesn't want to be sworn. I blame his upbringing. His daddy used to swear at him night and day, and I think it traumatized him, if you want my honest opinion. This would go on for another 53 minutes, with Banjo frustrating Mr. Kennedy at every turn. A shockingly haggard-looking Kennedy remarked of Banjo, I can't tell if he is an absolute idiot or some kind of evil genius. Needless to say, the man wore me down. A disappointed Banjo was excused from testimony and his subpoena rescinded. Kennedy, representing good taste and Yankee pragmatism, simply did not know what to do in the face of such riotous insubordination. Banjo wasn't finished, wanting desperately to be given his due. After all, there were cameras present and songs to perform. This moment surely would not last. Ladies and gentlemen, now that my freedom and dignity wait, Stop. Let me rephrase that. Sorry, Mr. Bear. Now that our freedom and dignity have been fully restored, well, we'd like to play a new song for all y'all. What you say, what you get, what you both Frank Carbo and Blinky Palermo would be sentenced to 25 years in prison each for their role in fixing boxing matches and exploiting fighters over a 20-year period. Leonard Chess would emerge unscathed from the episode and go on to define the Chicago sound until his death from a heart attack in 1967. Sonny Liston would lose his title under suspicious circumstances to one Muhammad Ali in 1964 and a subsequent rematch in 1965. He spent the remainder of his life in and around mob control Las Vegas, allegedly working as a loan shark and a collector. He died mysteriously in 1971 of a heroin overdose that many claim was a hot shot given to him by a rival mobster who resented him muscling in for more of the business. He died like he came into this world, an enigma. Or as some claim, he died the day he was born. As for Baron Banjo, the circus would continue. Today's July 16th, 2018. 
And that was to be filed as the curious case of Bear and Banjo and the night train. Note to self, I don't know what I found or what I'm onto, but I do believe that if I am to discover an unknown artifact of American music, not only will the destiny of Bear and Banjo be forever changed, but in turn, mine as well. It is my duty to pursue every lead, big or small, in this endeavor. Later this season, the boys invent sonic weaponry, become children's stars of their day, and are run out of New Orleans by a voodoo sex cult. Tonight's episode was written by Jimmy Jelinek. Baron of Banjo was created, executive produced, and directed by Jingle Jerry. Executive produced by Dennis Quaid, T-Bone Burnett, and Jason Pooh Bear Boyd. With original music by Jason Pooh Bear Boyd and Jingle Jared, it's Baron of Banjo and T-Bone Burnett with lyrical contributions from Bob Dylan. All music from Baron Banjo is produced by T-Bone Burnett and all episodes edited by David Gulick. Additional score by Jeff Peters and Jeff Judy. Story editing by Connor Ratliff and associate produced by Emily Bolka. Produced by Tom Piazza, Noel Brown, Brian Walland, Jesse Corwin, and Dan DeMole. Co-produced by Rosanna Arquette. For episode music, please visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever one finds good music. Baron of Banjo is a production of Jingle Punks in partnership with iHeartRadio. Special thanks to John Ingrazia of Vector Management and Gary Morella of Mono Music. Krista Lenny from Maiden Creative, Gail Troberman, Connell Byrne, and the entire iHeart team. An extra special thanks to Sue Turner for being Baron Banjo's head of tour security. For full list of production credits, behind-the-scenes footage, and source material, please visit baronbanjo.com. Jingle Punks is an anthem company. I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. And I'm Dr. John Lakey. We invite you to listen to our new podcast, Forever Young. Together, we're partners in practice for over a decade at the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Group, the renowned plastic surgery center in the heart of Beverly Hills, California. Join us as we put you under the knife and offer a glimpse behind the surgical mask into the fascinating world of cosmetic surgery, the latest breakthroughs in skincare, and what you can do to look and feel forever young. Listen to Forever Young on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio presents... As far as we can tell, the earthquake somehow raised a new landmass out here. Aftershock, starring Sarah Wayne Kelly. I gotta get out there. She's out there on that island. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. There are corpses all over the Southland. And David Harbour. I did my job, Cassie. This is what I do. They were gonna hurt you, and I stopped them. Aftershock. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. 
You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.